there is 100% room in a functioning society for the character traits that comprise traditional masculinity. And I mean, first and foremost, work ethic. Welcome back to the Late Late Podcast. I'm here with Pat Craig. Yes, sir. So yeah, like I saw your your work come up uh, fairly recently. Well, it wasn't really recently. I guess it was like a couple months ago. And I was like, I need to have this guy on here. Like this this guy seems like I saw you talking about your project and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, well, if it's a project that's pushing positivity, it's like, well, why not have you on here to help push more positivity, right? Because you have something good to say and get it out there to everybody, right? So I'm super excited to have you on here. Um, Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm a very, like, open book, right? So when I saw your stuff on Instagram, like, I'm a very, like, what does that person's voice sound like? Like, you know what I mean? I thought your voice was going to be, like, super, super, super deep, but your voice is deep, and it's, like, (laughs) it's, like, it's not, not a super, super level, right? Like, yeah, no, it's not like, uh, what's, I'm trying to think of a country singer that just has like, way down here. Oh, it's gotta be Randy Travis. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, something like that, right? Like I, I was kind of expecting that, but no, like I, I'm a very, like I see people and I'm, I try, I try to think what they sound like. That's a big thing I do, uh, with everybody. Um, so yeah, you started like posting, like doing some modeling and stuff, right? So yeah. Yeah. Actually, before we hop into that, why don't you? Tell us about you. Well, a little bit about me. I mean, in order, what do I do? Right now, I'm a carpenter. Mm-hmm. I've been a chef. Still am, I suppose. Still got the ticket in my pocket. Um, aside from that, I'm a dad. I'm a partner. And I'm doing a little bit of this modeling stuff. And as of recently, I think the term they use is mental health advocate. Right okay. now, my, my big project is is combining personal experience and a little bit of clinical education and talking a little bit more openly about mental health and neurodivergency and you know just things that things that maybe don't get talked about enough so for all intents and purposes we're going to talk about the last two things i am which you know that's that's the model that's the advocate all right cool so that's what the the project is about is pretty much you mentioned earlier is how do i I under I understand what you said, and I'm trying to think how to word it into like a, a question. Pretty much mainstreaming and bringing light to yeah this issue, right? Yeah, um, and I'm I'm doing it in a way that sort of showcases different artistic mediums that I've sort of either actually you know in both cases sort of stumbled into, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a writer. I started writing in university. I do it recreationally. It's it's just something that I, you know, just happen to be really good at. And people have always said I was good at. So yeah, um, that's medium number one. That's sort of art form number one. And number two is modeling, which I just do sort of as a hobby. Um, my girlfriend's been modeling for a while and just sort of being around her got me into it a little bit, you know, yeah. get, get some photos done, put them on Instagram. But So did you just start modeling? Like, it's like, Ooh, is this fairly recent? Literally January. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. You're, you're putting out some good stuff for just starting, that's for sure. Yeah, it's been fun sort of networking and, and getting on board with, you know, different people, different styles, right? I think uh, it's kind of neat how, you know, different 
photographers have a have a vision of how a person should look right yeah. so you know i look like me i look like me every single day yeah everywhere i go no matter what i'm doing pretty well the same thing but every set of photos i do with a different photographer is a completely different product and yeah. it's just it's it's super wild it's kind of addictive to see like what's the, the process too right like yeah because i don't know how uh i think her name is meg yeah, like, Meg Hood. Yeah, I don't know how she shoots, but like her stuff is phenomenal. Holy shit! Um, yeah, but like, um, you shot with? Did you shoot with Lucinda? I did. Yeah, just yeah. last week. Yeah, she's she's a wicked photographer, and um, oh man, I know her name, but I don't know her name at the same time. I know her Instagram. Um, <clears throat> so I think I know her Instagram. It's like wandering something. No. Uh I think her name's Kate. No. K K Nut Yes Wolf and Flame Yes That's what Yeah it was. She was, it was a, a W <laughs> Oh that was a fucking awesome shoot yeah. Little Yellowstone themed Yeah No yeah. that was good That was um, a blast Freezing in that barn Oh man I shot a couple years ago In a barn Around winter And it was boudoir And uh Like I feel so bad When I shoot <laughs> With like models In the winter For boudoir Outdoors Because it's like I hate the cold <laughs> like i have a jacket gloves hoodie you know everything on and these guys are over here like half naked and it's like you must be cold oh. some of them are troopers man like um they just they just can handle it maybe it's because of the adrenaline or something i don't know oh it's got to be i remember we were we were in that barn and you know didn't really notice it was that cold i don't mind cold as much like i yeah. never hated the cold right but being in there for about an hour, you know, shirt off, doing all these poses, that, that shit's draining, right? Yeah. And by the end of it, I was frozen. I had a whole day planned, was going to go to the gym, you know, get some stuff done after. I wound up sitting in the fucking tub for about two hours, just just, just thawing out, man. Yeah, <laughs> Holy 100%. shit. Unreal. <laughs> That's cool, though. Um, and it's cool to see, like, there isn't really that many male models around here. Like, if you really break it down, there's a handful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's cool to see, like more coming into it um it's it's a hard industry to be in that's mm. for sure um i mean i could never do it I, I i take the photos but i don't i don't pose in them once in a while like i'll post on instagram a photo of me but it's it's rare see i'm the other way around you said i don't know my way around technology at all so you yeah. hand me a camera i'm probably gonna point it backwards <laughs> but um I did notice sort of like, I mean, that was something that, that my girlfriend said to me mm-hmm. almost initially. She was like, you're going to notice that people are going to sort of come after you, right? Because um, mm-hmm. there just aren't, like you said, there's not a lot of men doing this stuff. And straight up, it's true. Like, I had people all over the place start reaching out like, yeah. hey, let's collab. Like, I've got this idea, that idea. And all of a sudden, I went from, like, doing a shoot with somebody that I already knew, yeah. you know, post a couple of those photos. And all of a sudden, it's like okay i guess i gotta buy a planner now right yeah and yeah it was funny because i saw your first shoot and then it's like yeah this is cool it's a male model hitting hitting you know fredericton and stuff like this and then all of a sudden you see you posting oh i gotta shoot with this person you're like yeah the scenes bang 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 wow like like, some brand work yeah that's good stuff yeah go from you know doing a little like studio headshots to you know shirtless in somebody's barn in the span of a month and a half right yeah yeah, that's did, awesome. Did that little thing uh, with Zach Lakes and Country Liberty. That was so fucking cool. Yeah. Like, no, Zach's good stuff, too. Yeah. And, and and Sawyer. That's two people I'd like to get on this this podcast. Oh, for real. Um, I don't really know Sawyer. Like, I've talked to him before and stuff like that. Zach, it's been 
a long time since I've spoke with Zach because I just like everybody's so busy, you don't get to talk to anybody, right? Oh, he's got that teacher life going on, right? That's right, yeah, yeah. And he has what? Not no, he only has one kid, doesn't he? There's I think I think just the one, yeah. Yeah, just the one. No, he's a busy man. He really is. Um, so with this whole like modeling industry, do you find it's like? Do you find it pretty like pretty hectic? I mean, I don't, I don't think I'm deep into it enough right now to really, to really know a whole lot. You know, yeah. everybody that I've worked with personally, one-on-one has been really chill. I mean, I, I can sort of tell that like from a photographer's perspective, it can sort of get hectic, Yeah. you know, just in terms of the workload. And, you know, most of these people do this as a side job, right? Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, probably, yeah, definitely. But I mean, honestly, for me, it's such a new thing and such a just recreational thing that I don't really see a whole lot of like, you know, the below the surface, behind the scenes sort of stuff. And, and you know what, I'm going to be real. I would prefer to keep it that way. Yeah. You know, enjoy what it is now. And that's good. Yeah, man. I'm not, I'm not super open to chaos. I reject chaos. Things turn chaotic, man. They go away away from it. It's important. Yeah. You know, I said, I'll, I'll take my pictures. I'll have my fun, but as soon as this becomes sort of, you know, a, a thing that, that puts any more difficulty or strain in my life, mm-hmm. fucking done. Yeah. That's it, right? And, it, I mean, not to say it happens to all models that are in the industry, but I feel if you do it right and it seems like you're doing it right, I feel like you, it won't it won't affect you that way. No. and Which that, is good. I mean, that's things are only fun as long as they're fun, right? Yeah. I'll, I'll drop a hobby in a second. Yeah. So do you find, like, do you find, like, with modeling, do you find it, like, helps with, like, self-imaging? Oh, 100%. Like, I mean... You, you see a photo and you're like, man, that's that's a fire photo. Definitely. And I think that was that was sort of the, the driving idea behind trying it out was... Mm-hmm. You know, I've always had confidence issues. I was never, you know, I was a just dorky looking kid, right? Got picked yeah. on, you know, a little scrawny kid with glasses. And, you know, from that sort of just grew into, you know, whatever sort of stereotypical version of a junkie and a criminal and whatnot that I was yeah. in my 20s. And so now, you know, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm confident, I'm in my prime, I feel good. Mm-hmm. Seeing that sort of reflected as visual art is super empowering. Like, yeah. And it, it's, nice to, it's nice to see, I guess, a representation of myself at what I consider to be my best, right? Because yeah. it's really easy to fall back on those image issues and go, you know, I'm still that dorky-looking kid, I'm still that fucking junkie, you know? Yeah. but. So these are sort of like permanent, right? Other people took them. Other people said they look good. That's, that's, uh, yeah. you know, anybody who says they don't need validation is fucking liar, period, yeah. right? And that was a big thing, like what pushed me into photography to start with <clears throat> was the fact that like you can take a photo of somebody, uh, especially like boudoir. And I'm not going to like say boudoir as in the sense of like uh, I shoot with, so there's two different types of boudoir, I guess. There's like both boudoirs are sexy. But one is meant to be sexy for, like, like uh, social media or wherever they're posting them. Then there's the ones where I've had people come to me where they're like, hey, I want to do photos, but I don't want them posted. It's like, cool, you, you just say that. You know, I, I won't post them. And uh, them ones are, like, usually people with confidence issues, right? And they're like, well, I don't think – I want to do photos with you, but I don't think I'm pretty enough. It's like, well – well, well, do the photos, and then you'll see that you're you're wrong. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes it just takes someone seeing you differently or like not differently, someone seeing you or you seeing yourself from someone else's view. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to put it. I was trying to think of the right way to put it, but um, I've worked with lots of clients where it's like, you know, they see the photos and they're like, wow, like I didn't know I looked like that. It's like, yeah, that's what you look like. There's nothing. I don't take the photo and like twist it and manipulate it. You know what I mean? That's one thing I hate doing for, for clients is like, if someone has like a pimple or something, I'll take it away. But like, if it's a scar, it's like, no, that's, that's yours. You're keeping that. And I'm not going to take it away. Or if they have like, you know, like some people get stretch marks. It's like, I'm not taking that stuff away. Like that's, that's you. It's authenticity. And you know, to, to your point about people feeling as though they don't maybe fit the standard for beauty, right? You know yeah. what? Nothing looks better on a person than confidence. Exactly. Like, yeah. like, you know, physical appearance, man, like we can't pretend it doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. And we can't pretend that, you know, what we consider normalized beauty standards don't exist, but we also have 100% of the intellectual and emotional capacity to look past that and say, you know what, this person's happy in their skin. Yeah. They're putting themselves out there. Let's respect that. Let's appreciate that. And let's enjoy that. Yeah. Right. No, I, I hate that there's, that's out there for people, right? Um, well, it's dehumanizing, yeah, right? It's, right? It's fucking dehumanizing, right? Because all the stuff that we see on Instagram, I mean, we all know better than to buy into this shit, right? Yeah. All these influencers, it's so artificial. The it's photos are doctored. Perfect on, on the screen. Yeah. And then in person, I mean, it's, well, what people say is perfect. Right. It seems like that, I guess. You know, for me, I think it's an interesting concept, perfection, right? And and it's almost an oxymoronic concept, the idea of manufactured perfection, because, you know, we think of, when we think of perfect and beautiful and stuff, we're, we're looking for uncommon ground, right? We're looking for things that aren't easily accessible or all over the place, right? Yeah. Um, you know, like your 67 Shelby, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. The 2023? No. No, it's not. Like, I don't care what it looks like. It's not a beautiful thing because yeah. it's fucking everywhere. It's it's cheap, right? There was actually a, a quote I heard someone talk about that today. Actually, it might have been like a video on masculinity where it's like this person was like, hey, how do I get a six-pack fast and easy? It's like, well, if it was fast and easy, there'd be no value in it. For real. So if it's like, you know, how you're saying that there's a lot of it, we look for that where there's less of it for it to be perfect, right? Yeah, and it, it cheapens the idea of, of, of beauty, right? Because, mm -hmm. again, we're looking for things that aren't common. As soon as you make something common, it loses its value. Yeah. And, you know, so we're sort of caught in this this almost like paradoxical sort of loop where we're looking at, you know, hundreds of these very prominent people on the internet, mm -hmm. they're essentially, they're selling the same product, right? You know, this is, this is my McMansion. This is my Mercedes. This is me looking exactly like him and her and him and her and him and her. Yeah. And you know, to, to me, that's, there's nothing beautiful or perfect about that because it's so repetitive, right? It's like, you know, I, I have pretty strong opinions on music. Mm -hmm. I fucking hate pop music. And I'm going to say that with my whole chest because <laughs> it's not good. It's not, it's not, it's manufactured, right? I have, I have really strong opinions about any art form that's taken and diluted for sort of mass appeal. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not saying you can't hear a song on the radio and go like, Hey, that's a, that's a good jam, right? You know, yeah. like 
I've, you know, kind of nodded my head to a couple Morgan Wallen songs. Well, I'll admit it, but, you know, there's a different level of appreciation when you see something that is raw and real and comes, you know, directly from a person to you without being filtered through. Yeah. And, you know, the idea of the idea of art being sort of like the refuge of the individual is, is, is sort of lost in contemporary society, right? Because we're sort of force fed a lot of really cheap art and the same applies to, you know, the beauty standards that we're talking about when it comes to people modeling and being insecure and stuff, right? They've, they've essentially been so fundamentally affected by manufactured, cheap, shitty, fake art that they, you know, it's a sin. They don't feel that their body, their face is worth showing off. Yeah. Man, show that shit off. Like everybody, man. Like yeah. get fucking naked and let somebody take a picture of you and put it on the internet. Like for real. Like yeah. what do you have to lose, right? Let's let's change that that's that like, whole idea. That's so true though. Like never thought of it that way. And with art, like I know like it's more of a metaphor, but even with like real art, um, it's such a like uh what's the like it's made to be produced like really fast. Yeah. It's nothing takes time no more. Like the people don't sit down and like, you know, if they paint a picture, it's usually like, it's just quick. You know what I mean? People don't sit there and actually like put emotion into art no more. You know what I mean? Like I see a lot of, like I'm not big in the art industry as much as I was when I was at school because obviously you're right there, right? Um, but even then it was so, I, I hate to, I, I, I don't know how to say this nicely. <laughs> Sometimes there's no way, man. <laughs> With people that go into doing art that aren't artistic or creative. I know people, all people are artistic and creative, but under the, like, the proper creativity. You know what I mean? Like, I went into the art, ah. the art, art, uh, art school and I was like, man, I don't know how to be creative. And it's like, I didn't know how to turn it on, right? It's just like, happens. So with people that go there that don't even have that struggle, that just don't have no creativity, they're very like, "What are you doing over there?" You know what I mean? Them, t- that, that type of people. Yeah. Not saying that everybody's like that, but I see a lot of that now, where it's like a lot of like, "Oh, that's cool. I'm gonna take it, and I'm just gonna move one line a little bit and say it's, you know, I made it." Well, it's curious, you know. You look at the evolution and subsequent de-evolution of visual art, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, we go back maybe what, let's let's just say 10,000 years, you know, stick figures on cave walls, right? Pretty fucking basic stuff. Yeah. And all of a sudden you hit the Renaissance and you got the Sistine Chapel ceiling, right? Yeah, some crazy stuff. And like, not going to lie, it's just been downhill from there, right? I mean, like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to say this as if there aren't, you know, phenomenal oil painters out there, but, but the art that gets the recognition that gets pushed, you know, this, this whole, maybe we call it abstract stuff right now. Yes this is a personal opinion. I just don't see that on the same level as I see Michelangelo. You know what I mean? I, I like, agree 100%. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's weird because we're sort of like trending more towards going back to cave painting than we are pushing the boundaries of what yeah. human beings can do with the medium in front of them. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. It kind of does. And I mean, it's like everything though, even clothes. Like if you look at it, like back in the eighties, certain, certain styles were popular. And nowadays that that's popular again. You know what I mean? Like I'm just I don't I can't think of any off the top of my head, uh 
what are they the the converse shoes right yeah like there was a section of time where they were like man you wear converse that's gross yeah and then you're an emo they're, kid they're starting to come back well fuck i think that was when I, when I first realized that i was getting older was when i was a kid let's say maybe like grade 8 13 mm-hmm. i remember want to dress like it was the 70s that was that was sort of the retro thing then was like you know the boot cut jeans and the you know led zeppelin t-shirt and right like starting to grow your hair out you know shag hairdos and stuff and you know sort of i remember parents people my age sort of rolling their eyes going fucking dipshit kids right like ripping off our style and you know, I went back to university and all of a sudden I'm seeing all these kids were, you know, dressing like it's the nineties and I'm going, well, dipshit kids, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's like, it's just how it goes. It's just a big loop. It really is. Yeah. So, I mean, we've basically just essentially run out of styles though, right? Because, um, shit started going on repeat in the two thousands. I don't think, you know, the, the two thousands really had maybe its own distinctive style. So what's, you know, What's like my son's generation gonna gonna copy, right? Like, are they just gonna go back to the seventies, or you know? It makes you think. Eh? It's like, what's it gonna be like? What style is gonna be? Oh fuck it, man! Bring back like the powdered wigs and the ruffled collars, and like yeah. let's, let's go back to like you know the seventeen nineties, right? While we're at it, yeah, go way back, like <laughs> grow a pair and yeah. really change style. <laughs> be like, I'm gonna start this trend now. You watch, one of my listeners are gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna start this trend now. I'm gonna wear the big puff collar and like, you know you know what i want to i want to see it like i want somebody to come through just po- like post a picture day. you know tag every you in your show that. like let's let's that'd see that awesome. louis the 14th shit that'd be awesome yeah yeah that's crazy though yeah so like we're not too far far from age then so like i was well i'm 29 yeah so i'm 33 next month so okay yeah. so yeah no it's fairly close so what you would have experienced for style back in you know middle school high school fairly similar i guess uh you know compared to the two for style wise i guess i'll tell you i didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to style when i was when i was younger i sort of Mm -hmm. part of the way i did my thing was i sort of always did my own thing yeah but you know now that i'm sort of looking back at it yeah i recognize that that was a thing yeah you kind of like you you can really just like what's the word uh you can just like you said, look back, but there's a word I'm trying to think of. Reminisce? Yes. Is that the word we're going for? That's yeah. It, that's it. Um, because I think back, like, I remember in, mm, not middle school, no, it was elementary school, one of my friends, because I was held back, they were like, yeah, when you come to middle school, you can't wear nothing but jeans. Just jeans. I'm like, what the frig? Like, I like my, my joggers, you know what I mean? They're, they're comfortable. Yeah. So I got into to middle school and I remember it's like my first time ever having to wear jeans every day. And then I got into grade seven or grade eight and I was like, I'm going to wear whatever the frig I want. <laughs> yeah, man. I started wearing shorts and all that stuff. And I know it's so besides like the whole education system, even, even the, like the peers are very controlling with like how you, how you dress, how you, how you act. A lot of it, right? And it's crazy how much we get influenced by just being around certain people. Oh yeah, I mean, social conformity is like it's a it's a real issue that that definitely warrants digging into a little bit, right? Because you know, again, you, idealism versus reality. You gotta you gotta err on the side of reality, and yeah. and we do live in a society where, especially for for kids growing up. You know, we have these, there are norms, there are expectations, and your life's not going to be 
as pleasant during those developmental years if you don't yeah. fall within those parameters. And, you know, as a parent, this is the thing I consider a lot too, is, you know, how much do I push my son to fit in mm -hmm. versus how much, you know, do I very much want to foster his individuality, right? So, yeah. and, you know, there's definitely, there's no great answer for it, but I'm sure there's maybe like a non or less impactful line you can walk mm -hmm. where, you know, a kid can not, I guess, inadvertently ostracize themselves, but at the same time be an individual and explore their passions and interests, right? It's yeah. just, it's kind of a, well, it is a shame that you have to sit and think about even even consider picking between the two, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I remember for me growing up, it was a struggle because, you know, I had all these wild interests and, you know, and things that, that sort of just, they kind of just got beat out of me along the way, right? And, you know, the pressure to be more like everybody else sort of eventually took over to the point of, you know, a lot of my struggles as a young adult were because I got so sick of trying to be like everybody else that I said, fuck everybody else. Yeah. Right. And you know, that went exactly the way you'd expect that to go. No, it's, it sucks that it is like that. It really does. Yeah. It really does. Well, you can push a kid over the, over the edge pretty quickly. Right. You know, and that's, you don't want to put that strain on young people. No. So, well, we kind of, we kind of went over a few of my little topics here in that little, little, you know, we started with modeling and then we kind of pushed into mental health a little bit, but, um, I'm all kind of like mental health, I guess. It's more like a little different look on mental health, I guess. But I know. I know you were talking earlier about, you know, like mental health is important, you know, like it's super important. And I want to know your take on like how we can improve that. Like as like you and I, because we're both, you know, like we're both male and like, how would we, how can men help mental health for men? I think, I mean, Christ, it's hard to think anything more important, mm -hmm. you know, than, than what's going on inside your head and how you're relating to it. Right. Yeah. And I guess it's an interesting time in history to be talking about this type of stuff because the concept of awareness is everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I spend a lot of time shitting on people just a little bit younger than myself, but I'm going to do it right here. Mental illness is being overplayed by people and it's becoming it's becoming a boy who cried wolf type of thing mm -hmm. right uh, like you know feeling anxious and having anxiety are two different things yeah being depressed and having depression are two different things right you can feel elevated because a situation is uncomfortable or you can feel sad because something bad happened mm -hmm. without necessarily having a chemical imbalance that compels you to feel those ways without external stimuli right yeah so you know, again, I, I struggled with, with those two things on top of, you know, being on, on the autism spectrum and, you know, it's, it's, it turned into a real mess of stuff. Right. And the thing that I learned is that when you are mentally ill, your mind's going to do whatever it wants mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. A thing that I observed recently was, it's kind of ironic. Let's talk about depression for a second. How you know, no amount of external factors can improve your condition, but they can sure as hell make it worse, yeah. right? You know, if you're already feeling down for no good goddamn reason and something bad happens, that could, be, that could be it, right? Yeah. yeah. 
but you can be feeling down and nothing in the world can bring you back up. You know, that's super unfair, but it's, it's, it's part of the condition, right? So we need to, I think, and somebody's going to get mad about this, but I think part of pushing proper awareness Mm -hmm. is telling the people that are pushing for awareness of their bad day to sit down. Okay. Yeah. Because there, like, again, there is a difference between emotions and, you know, like an actual medical condition, right? Yeah. It's great that it's great that it's, it's acceptable to talk about these things. That is 100% objectively a positive thing that it's good to talk about your feelings and about your mental health. People should be comfortable to speak about how they feel, but it's also important to differentiate between, you know, how you feel right now and like actual legitimate mental illnesses, right? Because they are two different things that doesn't devalidate or invalidate the way that you feel right now. Yeah. But at the same time, it's, it's important to not conflate that with a serious thing, a serious medical condition that's, you know, fundamentally affecting a person's life. Right. So, you know, again, like these, these conditions, you know, your, your common mental illnesses, depression, anxiety and stuff, they're, they're exaggerated and prolonged versions of things that everybody experiences, Mm. right? We all get scared. We all get sad. We all feel, you know, uncomfortable, right? It's when that shit just does not go away and there's no reason for it. And you know, there's, there's nothing you can do to make it better. Right. That's when, that's when, you know, you're, you've got a problem. You've got, you're, you're ill. You're, you're not well. And a thing that, people don't do as much as they should is get help. And, and, you know, even the people that, you know, ultimately turn out to not have, you know, some sort of chemical imbalance compelling them to feel that way should still, you know, be comfortable to talk to people. And if you feel like talking to a professional, somebody that, that has training in this field and and knows how to help you, Mm -hmm. you should, I mean, the like best case scenario, they're going to tell you, you know, you're just having a rough go. Yeah. There's nothing seriously wrong with you, you know, but here's some tips to maybe not feel so overwhelmed. Right. And, you know, in terms of people struggling with chemical imbalances and, you know, inherent mental illnesses, man, that shit can save your life. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I think really, I'll talk about me a little bit. I didn't really, I guess, accept the idea of intervention and asking for help until way past the point when, when it would have made sense to as an adult, right. To, to avoid a lot of problems. So for me, I was literally, it was like within this last year, you know, 32 years old, I finally said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to talk to a therapist. I'm going to try medication. I'm going to stick with it through the, you know, the initial rough parts and, and really, you know, put my best effort into, seeing if these things that I've always heard about, but sort of rolled my eyes at can actually improve my quality of life. hundred mm-hmm. percent they have. And, you know, again, they're, they don't, they don't serve to, you know, diminish, you know, the struggles that I have with communication, nonverbal communication, all the stuff that sort of comes with being on the spectrum, but the comorbidities like feeling anxious and depressed and dealing with those things that you take the medication for huge boost, like just like therapy, man, it's great. Um, just knowing like that, whatever's going on with you, you got this appointment coming up where you can sit down, just dump it out on somebody who 
is going to sit there is they're getting paid to, they know what they're talking about. They're yeah. sort of desensitized to this type of shit. You can say whatever you want and just get it out. Right. Instead of maybe like trauma dumping on your partner or your, your yeah. family, you know, the people that didn't sign up for this stuff, right? Like, you know, they, they, they still love you, but they are not your therapist. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, I, I, um, when it comes to, if someone comes to me, I, I'm not like super trained in, in that stuff, but I work with kids and like a lot of the stuff that we're, we're taught when you work with kids is you're, uh, you're, a under a less paid psychiatrist <laughs> is yeah. in a sense, right? Um, the whole being able to like take somebody's like negativity that they're talking about or like, you know, trauma jump, dumping, like you said, right. To have someone sit there and talk to you about their life and just spill it all out. Um, even with not having the proper training to like, you know, get rid of like the, the stuff that they tell you, um, that wears on people. I think even if they're like a psychiatrist, like I feel like even though they know how to get like, they're desensitized to it a little bit. I feel like it's still, it's important for us to feel for what the other person is saying in that sense. Right. Even if they're a psychiatrist, like even if they're like desensitized to it all. Yeah. Um, but kind of like that was off topic. It just kind of was a thought that you, and you said something that popped in my head. Valid thought. <laughs> but, uh, you were talking about like how, you know, there's the, the people that have the actual chemical imbalance. Right. And then there's people that are just feeling everyday emotions that everybody has. Right. So do you find that treatment for like this person that has the imbalance should be different for the person that doesn't like, do you feel like there should still be something for this person over here that is just feeling everyday kind of emotions? So this person? Let's, I'm going to intersect two completely different opinions here, right? Okay, that's fine. Everybody should be happy. I want to see right. everybody happy, right? And if you're, if you're feeling bad, if I don't know you come to me and tell me that you're feeling bad, mm-hmm. I'll do what I can to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're just having a bad day and you're walking around saying, I've got anxiety, I've got depression, mm-hmm. suck it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm sick and tired of, of this played out idea that, you know, you just can't, you can't get through your day because of the way you're feeling. Like, and I, I know that sounds, that might be misconstrued as insensitive, but the amount of times, you know, I, as an employer have had, you know, a younger employee text or call me and say, you know, I'm just like, you know, I've got my anxiety so bad. I can't come to work today. Like, I don't, I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for that level of forcing your feelings on people. Like if you have so if you have, if you're having a hard time regulating your emotions or confronting your emotions, dealing, compartmentalizing, mm-hmm. there's outlets for that. Those outlets do not include your employer, your professors, yeah. your family. You know what I mean? Like there, there is an entire, you know, cohort of professionals here in society. You know, I mean, we are in New Brunswick where sometimes things are a little more difficult to come by, yeah. but still, you know, I, I've never been of the belief that it's acceptable to make your problems everybody else's problem. Yeah. And this is like, this is why my girlfriend calls me a boomer. Right. Because, you know, for me, I I do, I got a whole lot of that suck it up in me. Right. (laughs) Like, and that's just not a quality. It's a good quality to have. Mm -hmm. It's not a quality. I see a whole lot. It's a diminished, 
commodity. Uh, and to me, that sort of, that rolls into the idea of a work ethic and a, you know, participating in society even, right? Like, like we can talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm concerned and I am concerned at the same time as, you know, I want people to be open and talk about things. I'm concerned that we're going to get to a point in the very near future where people are essentially making their first priority, how they feel. Right. Mm -hmm. There are things beyond that. And I mean, I'm talking about the well-being of society as a whole that can be sort of chipped away at by people allowing their emotions to dictate what they do in a day. Yes. And I mean, that may be considered by some people an insensitive thing to say, but I, I, you know, I can back this up. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's use the example that I used. Right. If I'm running the kitchen as a chef and it's Friday, you know, I got, I got a hundred on the books. And I've scheduled accordingly, right? I've got my good cooks in there. I'm in there working in the evening because, you know, workplaces are designed around their employees if they're functional workplaces, right? And all of a sudden, my saute guy texts me and says, listen, chef, I, I don't really think I can make it in today. I'm not feeling so good. And I say, what's the matter? Like, you shitting blood or something? Like, like what's up? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, just like I've got anxiety. You know, the first thing that pops in my mind is get in here and get busy then. Take your mind off at work. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? For me, even struggling with mental illnesses that I'm diagnosed with and medicated for and, you know, mm-hmm. going to therapy for, the only thing that ever really did help me outside of direct professional intervention was working, 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 right? Being busy. Yeah, being busy, put my head down and doing something that was engaging enough that I had no time yeah. to feel like shit. And it still works for me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a workaholic. Like, I don't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's a quality that served me well as an adult who functions in society, right? Yeah. That's one thing anybody that knows me will say. I'm a good worker. And, you know, that's a, that's a compliment that gets tossed around a lot. And, you know, you know, you look at a great big sociological sense, it's like, oh, no, you're a nice little pawn. But, like, a good worker is never going to starve. No. Right? No, and that's true you know, right from, right from bottom to top in society, right. You know, our society was built by people that weren't afraid to be uncomfortable, yep. right. Go that extra mile, make shit happen. Yeah. So you were you kind of like triggered like a, a thing in my head that I, I wanted to ask. You were talking about like, so I, I always have trouble. Like I'm always very tiptoey and I'm trying to get over this whole tiptoey thing. Right. Because like, it's yeah. it's not really I'm tiptoey with the guest. It's more like I'm tiptoey with the listeners hey, because like, kick the door down, man. You know what I mean. So you were mentioning like you know with being like the whole like chef thing, right? You know, telling the guy to get in here and that type of concept. Do you find that the way people are now? Do you find that they're distancing themselves from masculinity in a sense of like like masculinity people you know like i know it's important to talk about your feelings if you have certain feelings right it's important to uh treat everybody with respect it's it's important to be a hard worker and all this stuff right do you feel like we're kind of like falling off from like real masculinity so before I launch into my, my monologue about masculinity, I'm going to offer a disclaimer, just, you know, 
pump the brakes on the nasty fucking DMs and, and hear me <laughs> out on this, right? Like, masculinity is not an inherently toxic concept, okay? And I'm going to start by saying I love everybody, right? Like, I, I believe in, you know, gender equality and every kind of equality you want to talk about, I and mean, I'm going to be for it. But there is 100% room in a functioning society for the character traits that comprise traditional masculinity. And I mean, first and foremost, work ethic, mm-hmm. right? And actually, you know what? I'm going to digress a tiny bit. Masculinity doesn't even have necessarily have to be a male thing, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it's obviously, you know, historically attributed to men. Great, yeah. cool, I'll adopt it. But, like, the 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 qualities that define non-toxic masculinity are fundamental to a functioning society, right? Work ethic, mm-hmm. respect, uh, self-respect. Like that's yeah. a huge one, right? Boundaries, uh, the willingness to help people. And now, you know, my personal motto is if they need help, help them, right? Like if you, you see somebody on the side of the road provided, you know, you get, you got maybe the tools or the cell phone or whatever yeah. it is, you know what I mean? Stop and see if they're okay. Hold the fucking door for the person behind you. Like seriously, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> this, this type of stuff. And you know, I think it's all rolled into the concept of masculinity because what we got with that is beyond work ethic and, you know, being a charitable, decent human being, we got manners. You know what I mean? Like that shit is lost on, on us too. Like oh, man. good manners. Say, please say, thank you. Take your fucking hat off at the dinner table. You know, like these are not pointless things. They're a sign of discipline. They're a sign of willingness to acknowledge the people around you. Right. And as far as, you know, traditional concepts go, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And if it's not hurting anybody, leave it alone. What we consider non-toxic masculinity, let's use this phrase over and over again. Right. Is to me, like that's just being a decent human being. Yeah. Right. Working hard, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Understanding the bigger picture, mm-hmm. right? Now, I mean, masculinity is like an aesthetic's kind of cool too. Like I love guns and trucks and, yeah. you know, my beard and stuff. Like that's, that's all great. There's nothing wrong with that either. But I think masculinity as a social concept goes way beyond what we see. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not necessarily, and it doesn't necessarily even include the things that we see, right? Because... Like we talked about this before, before we started, you know, the, this, this dipshit idea of masculinity you see tossed around the internet that is essentially just like candy coated bigotry, right? It's just an excuse to be an asshole, yeah. right? If your, if your adopted worldview includes negative opinions about other people as a default, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Yep. It's fine to not like people for reasons. Lots of people I don't like. I'll meet lots of people not like them. That's fine. But if, you know, you're going to hop on, you know, Twitter or Facebook or whatever and just immediately start talking about how great you are and how much everybody else sucks, probably it's true that you suck. (laughs) And what happens when that type of rhetoric gets tossed around too much is it's damaging to those fundamental qualities that we just talked about that define true masculinity, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, we've got stereotypes. We've got a new stereotype, yeah. right? So, cause I love to talk about me. Let's use me as an example, right? I drive a truck. Yeah. I wear a ball cap. I get a beard and, you know, I dress like what I do for a living. Yeah. 
which is physical labor, right? And I'm sure that a lot of assumptions are made about the way that I think Mm -hmm. based on the way that I look, right? For the record, I am by no means a socially conservative human being, right? I'm all for everybody, yeah, right? And, you know, I mean, further to the point, I don't really give a shit. I just want everybody to be happy, right? But, you know, we've got this this branded idea of, you know, the guy with the goatee and the sunglasses sitting in his truck talking about, you know, Trump won the election, I swear to Christ he did. Yeah. That's really sort of just like fucked up day-to-day life for anybody that's aware of it because all of a sudden, you know, I go from getting dressed in the morning to going... I guess I can't look like too much of a dick today or people aren't going to want to hear what I have to say, right? <laughs> so, you know, it just seems like like everything else that we see on the internet, masculinity is getting fucked with to the point of being comical and yeah. unrecognizable, right? We talk about how beauty has been conflated with what we see on the internet. Well, guess what? Masculinity is too. You got this Andrew Tate fucking dummy, mm-hmm. like... Literally, just a god-awful human being, but he managed to sort of rope, like, an entire generation of sad young men into thinking that, you know, being demeaning towards women was okay. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. Like, it just simply isn't, it's not okay. But, you know, it's, we have people out there that are willing to capitalize on other people's insecurities, right? We live in an age where everybody's self-image seems to be dictated by the internet. And, you know, I... I real love hate relationship with the internet and social media because it's really fucking up society. Yeah. There's no, there's no two ways about it, right? It's great tool, great resource, but it's really fucking society up. We spend too much time on our phones, but you know, the people out there with nothing but the worst intentions like this Tate fell and everybody else that, that preaches that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Honestly, anybody that really pushes any sort of rhetorical agenda on the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. But with this masculinity issue, people that are willing to, you know, take a, a lost generation on an internet addicted, uh, demasculinized generation that's coming up and teach them that, you know, this thing that they hear about and they've been told about by their fathers, grandfathers, whatever is this, this, this version of it here where, you know, little things. Yeah. Like puffing your chest out and using the word bitch too many times. Yeah. Yeah. Like that has, that couldn't have less to do with the idea of masculinity talking about how tough you are and you know, how you can fight and like, you know, Mr. Good on you. You can fight. Yeah. Like, good, like, <laughs> right. Go fucking help somebody. Hold the fucking door. You know yeah, what I mean? Like instead of punching somebody, hold the door open. Yeah. Like, you know, be, maybe just don't fight. You know, that was, that was a big le- lesson that I learned, man. One of the life changing one was mm. nothing to prove. Right. No. It's huge. But, you know, a lot of people haven't learned that lesson yet. Nope. And now it's not even like you have something to prove. It's, it's, you have something to say you can prove on the internet. Yeah. It's, it's like a step past insecurity. Now it's just manufactured iPhone based insecurity. Right. And yeah. you know, people are out there and it, it goes from being sort of a contained internet issue to being an actual social issue yeah. when people start expressing these values outside of that arena. Right. Mm -hmm. You're no longer on Reddit in your incel forum speaking negatively about women. You're in person doing now. Yeah. Now you're just walking down the street saying nasty things. You know what I mean? Or maybe you go and hit somebody like, you know, once, once this, this silly bullshit escapes the internet Mm -hmm. and gets out into society, we have like a serious social problem. Yeah. And 
that all that does is help to push people away from the idea of masculinity and the actual important fundamental values associated with masculinity, which again, you know, is, a, is an abstract concept. It's a form. It can, it can be personified by anybody, right? Like, you know, doesn't necessarily even have to be a gender based thing, yeah. but again, you know, these type of values get pushed further and further back because they've become abstractly associated with this weird off kilter shit you see on the internet. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So do you find, so like I, I, you're spot on with me. We're on our devices so much. Um, because I, so I saw this video, I was on my device and I saw this video as he would be. Um, and it's this girl in the gym and she's, she's squatting and, uh, she gets like you know she's lifting too much well not lifting too much weight but she gets down to do another another rep and she can't get she can't stand up and then she's asking a bunch of people for help and but she's recording herself and the guys don't answer because like I, like this kind of goes off topic but really not at the same time because how people are trying to change masculinity and like push it away oh that's not cool to be like that now if this was five years ago and there was you know guys working out and a girl was couldn't get the the bar up instant there'd be a guy there now i feel like with gym culture and everybody recording and everything you know what i mean like i feel like they were like oh i'm not going to go over and help because she'll be like oh you're a creep now do you find like that that kind of screwed up we'll say proper masculinity, right? Yeah. Do you find that that screwed up part of it too? Not just like, not just the guys out there that are preaching like the improper way of masculinity, but like, yeah, it, it did because again, we've, we've just sort of, I don't even know how to, how to phrase this, but like you said, you know, we're, we're almost afraid to approach each other now because, you know, there's so many varied opinions about how people should act. And there's so many, I guess there's a lot of silly stuff too. Like maybe they didn't help her because, you know, it was some sort of fucking prank or something. You know what I mean? Like they didn't want to be involved in whatever she was using the phone for. Yeah. Might've made them look silly on the internet, whatever. But, but yeah, I think, you know, there's just way too much conjecture about how people should act mm -hmm. when really, you know, to me, None of this has held any water for me, right? I still 100% believe that if you see a person that needs help, just go help them. Like, literally, the worst that can happen is they tell you to fuck off. They don't need your help. Yeah. You know, as far as, I, as, far as I'm concerned, that's as far as the consequences for trying to be a decent person go. Mm -hmm. And that ain't going to kill you. No. Right? Being Like, having your assistance rejected just ain't going to kill you, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, as far as, like, a video on the Internet sort of telling a way bigger, you know, meta narrative about society and how it's sort of changing for the worse. Mm -hmm. I think that does spell it out because, you know, that, that given situation, maybe you would expect maybe like one person to see, you know, that's ah, not my problem. Right. Yeah. That person's probably a dick. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's all there is to it. But you know, if you've got a whole bunch of people that have very, like various reasons for not wanting to help because of all these, weird changes to the way that yeah. people think people should act. Yeah. That's a huge problem because all of a sudden now we just don't know how we're supposed to act. Yeah. And up until like pretty well yesterday, we kind of figured it out. We had it figured out for the most part, right? Like 
hold the fucking door. That is a metaphor for exactly how people should function in society, right? Yeah. It's like the grocery cart metric, right? And I, uh, just for anybody that's not familiar with that, like the easiest way, this is, this is again, just like something I saw on the internet. Um, the easiest way to tell if somebody's got good character is whether or not they put their grocery cart back, right? Because to do it, you kind of got to go a little bit out of your way. Yeah. If you do it, nobody's probably going to, you know, come up and shake your hand and be like, you know, you're, you're a great guy. And ultimately there's no consequences for not doing it. The only reason that you would put your grocery cart back is because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately not doing it inconveniences somebody else. That's true, that yeah. is the only reason there is no other reason to put a grocery cart back other than the fact that it's just the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And again, that that's in line with hold the door, right? Like there are just certain behaviors that I think have traditionally been and should continue to be expected of fully functional adults in society and extending courtesy going out of your way to help people that need it. And, you know, also going out of your way to not like unhelp people. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, throwing your garbage on the ground. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's important not to lose that, that value. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so, you know, if the internet is scaring us off of being decent human beings and helping one another, Especially, you know, in an instance like that where something like a girl could be hurt, right? Yeah. Like the gym's not a, like, it's not a playground, right? People get hurt in there all the time. I get, yeah. oh, fuck, I get hurt in there like weekly. <laughs> like, you know, so yeah, I think if that, if that was a problem, that's a problem. Yeah. It's crazy, you know, like I didn't realize until right now how many people don't hold the door open anymore. Right? Like, like it's I know it's, it's, it's nuts. a metaphor too, but it's also like real life. No one holds the door open no more. And you know what? That's as, I think, as simple of a behavior as even simpler a behavior than putting your grocery cart back, right? Yeah, Maybe we should like adopt the hold the door metric, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. And I mean, this is inconceivable to me. 100% cannot imagine walking through the door, knowing somebody's, you know, 10 paces behind me yeah. and just continuing to go. But man, at least, and I'm going to, I'm going to undershoot at least once a day, mm-hmm. every day. If I leave my house and go out in public, this happens to me. The person in front of me doesn't even look over their shoulder. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, there are certain demographics that do this more. You know they're going to do it, right? Yeah. But, you know, never. I, I don't know. Maybe this is one of my boomer moments, but it never used to be like that. No. Well, I mean, like, even the age gap between you and I is, like, not really that much, but growing up, don't remember people not holding the door. No. And like, that's why it was so shocking for me to just kind of realize it now. Like after you said it, like no one holds it open. And I'm like, okay, well, let me think about this for a second. Like when was the last time I went somewhere where someone had to hold the door open for me? Oh, that was like, you know, yesterday. No one held the door open. Doesn't it just drive you like to think about it? Like, it really, uh, like, it hurts my brain. It's, like, it makes me sad. Yeah. It's inconsiderate as hell. Like yeah. period. Right. It's like, the easiest thing to do. Like it's even if like, if you're like, you know, 15 steps ahead of person, you know, or like, you know, they're like here to the door away. Like I'm, I'm that type of person that I'll stand there and awkwardly stare at you while you walk, you know? Yeah. And if you start to jog at me, I'm going to be like, no, no, it's all right. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. It just yeah, takes time. I gotta that's know, the you way, know. man. Like, you know, like, you, you've got hold the door perfected by the way. Like the, that's okay. Yeah. That's the icing on the hold the door that, cake. Yeah. That's like, it, take time, take your time. But like I was brought up, like, yeah, I know, uh, 
to be like that. Like I grew up in the church. Yeah. So like, and that kind of, I have that on there too, like talking about faith, but um, I hate when people, like I ain't got to say I hate because hate's a strong word, but I dislike when people use religion, right? Because religion is like a totally different thing from faith, right? Like religion is very like, you're, you're doing repetitive things and all this stuff and it's just different. Systemic. It's very yeah. systemic. It's, I don't know. I just, well, so this comes up in the podcast all the time. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, but I, I accidentally stabbed myself New Year's Eve. I did hear about that. Yeah. And I almost died. So like I lost two quarts of blood. I was like, you know, really close to my liver, things like that. So, um, I was at my home at my house and my grandfather showed up and my grandfather is the one that kind of got me like in when I was younger that, you know, why I went to church and stuff. And he comes up to me is like, where would you be if you, if you would have died? And like growing up in the church, I know what the question meant. And it's like, it just ate at me. And I was like, man, like that, it set fear. So I was like, okay, well I'm going to start going back to church and I'm going to start reaching back to my faith where I was before, right? So I started doing that. And then I, I put down on here faith because I wanted to know, like, like I'm not, like, Christianity, I find, like, people kind of, like, get really, like, whatever with. Because some people, some Christians, I want to say this, like, you know, because everybody's not the same. And some Christians will shove, try to shove that down your throat. Be like, this is how it is. This is what it is. I'm that type, like, I'll bring a plate. To the dinner the dinner table and i'll be like you can eat that if you want okay. but you don't you don't need to i'm just bringing it here so you know it's there you know what i mean <laughs> i gotta wheeze when i breathe in i can hear it in my ear it's like it's annoying i know it's gonna sound horrible on this but uh no um like faith is super important right and uh i think everybody everybody has faith in certain things right yeah and uh like do you like what do you kind of practice for faith? Do you have like something that so, kind of sticks close to you or? Yeah, this is the thing I actually, I think about a lot and I've, I've talked about a lot too. I've written about this. Mm-hmm. I have an interesting relationship with religion. I grew up in the church, similarly, yeah. uh, Anglican. I distance myself completely from religion, spirituality, faith, like mm-hmm. any of those ideas for a long time. Um, I remember sort of getting like facetiously baptized in prison just because I thought it would help my parole. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which, you know, spun my family since I was already baptized as a baby, complete and utter conflict of, you know, traditions. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons that I went back to university as an adult actually was because I wanted answers. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to really dig in and see where I could find a reason to believe in something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's the standard, you know, like, like Augustine, Thomas Aquinas, all these thinkers, you know, that really, really drove to prove that God existed, right? But they were still starting from sort of like, you know, an, an idea, right? And their idea, their their goal was to validate a preconceived idea. That's a lot easier to do, I think, than it is to start from a blank slate and say, okay, like currently, right now, I have no rational or sense evidence to compel me to believe anything other than what I see, Mm -hmm. right? That's a good starting point, right? It's, you know, a Cartesian starting point where you say, okay, so table's real. Evidently, everything that I have as a resource to determine where I am and what anything is tells me that that table's real. 
So expand that, right? And fast forward a little bit, I guess, because it's a long process. Um, That's where the idea of faith comes in, right? Is where, you know, reason doesn't necessarily take you there. Now, there are a lot of valid reasons to assume that there's some type of creator, right? A first cause, you know, even even the Greeks had a pretty good handle on explaining how that had to be the case, the unmoved mover, Aristotle, right? Um, but again, you know, that's about as, as narrow a definition as you can come to with reason, right? Because we just don't currently possess the tools necessary to see some things. I, I think yeah. this. And, you know... The things that compel me to believe in something inaccessible to sense evidence mm-hmm. are the human mind, first and foremost. Why are we like this? Mm-hmm. Why, out of all these... Why does anything exist, first of all, right? Like, why? But why is there such a complex entity as as you or I, this mm-hmm. incredible level of individuality, what purpose would that serve other than to explore the capacity of, you know, this creature that we are, right? Mm -hmm. So I I just, I can't wrap my head around the idea that there's no purpose for us to be what we are, which also compels me to believe that um, human consciousness is not a temporary thing. And again, you know, this conforms with a lot of different religions and traditions and stuff, right? Everybody, you know, every, the whole idea of, of religion has always been to be sort of like to pound out a rough explanation of what can't be explained. Right. I'm not interested in the details. I don't, I don't care who said it, when they said it, why they said it. For me, I think, you know, the common denominator is this awareness that, we have capacities that are inexplicable beyond some type of purpose, mm-hmm. right? And with that in mind, why would uh, why would these capacities exist? Why would this level of intelligence and ability exist if it were only to be sort of just snuffed out mm-hmm. in a heartbeat, right? So if you want to call it a soul, call it a soul. But I I, I firmly believe that there is more to our existence than what's here than what's here than this table. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I'm, I'm the, the idea of being agnostic, right? Which, which literally just means, I don't know, show me mm-hmm. to me. That's, that's, that's my take on it. Right. It's valid because I'm hesitant to personify the creator. I'm hesitant mm-hmm. to assume anything about the soul other than its existence. Yeah. Right you don't need anything other than that. I mean, all these things that religion gives us as guidelines (laughs) should be universal guidelines anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't hold the door because I'm scared to go to hell. Mm -hmm. I don't hold the door because I was told that I had to, Mm -hmm. I hold the door because I'm fucking already holding it. Like you're coming behind, like, you know what I mean? There's no big metaphysical reason to be a good person. and There shouldn't have to be, you know, it's nice that I get, you know, maybe the political purpose of establishing organized religions, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Most of them did originate as political tools. Right. And, you know, with the given level of education, let's say, you know, thousand, 2000 years ago, it was pretty easy to scare the shit out of people to get them to fall in line. Mm -hmm. Religion is fading out, especially in Western culture now, because, 
people have gotten too curious to keep a lot of this crazy stuff yeah. relevant, right? So what we need to do is, again, it's the same as masculinity, right? Preserve the values, chip away at the facade. Yes. So my relationship with religion, not so good. My relationship with faith is airtight because, again, I've reasoned enough to realize that there's more to learn. Yeah. Might not ever learn it, but I've accepted as much as can possibly be accepted by somebody with the capacities that I have as a human being right now. Yeah. Now, that's a, that's a deep, that's a deep. Did, did I answer your question yeah, or did I fly like, off? No, you were like, at the start, you were like, answered it. And I was like, okay, well, you answered it pretty freaking, pretty, pretty, pretty freaking fast. That game talked pretty freaking fast. And all of a sudden you just went into this other stuff and I was like, whoa. That's that's deep. That's good though. I like that. But I digress, right? No, that's awesome though. And like the whole like breaking it down, like trying to figure it out, like how you were talking about, like the table's real. You know, break it down from that. Okay, we'll move past that. What's next? You know, like that type of thing. Um. So I watch a listen. I watch and listen to a lot of podcasts, right? So, um, this kind of stays on the topic of religion and and faith. Um. I don't know if you know the name George Janko. I don't. His, well, his uh, he's on Logan Paul's podcast, and he's his Christian, right? And he says to Logan about certain stuff, and oh, excuse me, there was something he said where it's like he looks at the Bible as basic instructions before leaving Earth, yeah, yeah. or something like that. I've heard that one before, yeah. yeah. So I was like, that's 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 a good way to look at it, right? And then. Um, he, he said, okay, well, someone asked me if, what if, what if I die and there's no God? Like, what if, you know, like I, I go through and everything just happens and it's done. He's like, at least I, at least I lived a purposeful, purpose, purposeful and like respectful life. Right. Because, you know, the Bible is a pretty good tool to teach a lot of like manners. That thing's jam packed full of manners. It really is. Um, when I was a kid, I used to, I could read it to you without even looking at it. Now it's like, I can't like, you know, I'm learning verses again, but there's so many good or so much important information in there to help us, help us, man, I can't even talk today. Holy man. Help us live a respectful to everybody else life and like the way we should live. You know what I mean? Um, but no, George Janko, he, he said that, and I was like, man, that's so true. And I was like, I want to bring that up. Like, So this is the first podcast I talked about faith, right? So like, it's a, it's a sketchy thing to talk about, but like they say you must not deny it. That's a big thing, right? And yeah. I don't deny it. But um, it's, a, it's a gray area to like bring to social media because a lot of people are like, they get all whatever about it, you know, with social media. So um, seeing George Janko say that, I was like, I need to bring this up in a podcast. And I was like, this is the perfect time to bring it up. So I, I had to say it. Oh, it's, it's a relevant subject. Mm -hmm. I mean, regardless of your, your views on it, position on it, it's a relevant subject because it's a thing that matters to yeah. a lot of people, right? Most people on earth. Yeah. Most people on earth are not atheistic they believe in something right yeah. and ultimately i mean from what we can judge looking all the way back to the start of the abrahamic traditions and whatnot we all believe in the same fucking thing like you know what i mean doesn't matter what name you call it yeah right so yeah i mean i think i think i don't think we talk about faith enough 
honestly. This is true. And, you know, again, I have a very, very, very loose and ambiguous perspective on this, mm-hmm. right? I don't have opinions on this because, again, you know, what good's an opinion, right? Mm-hmm. I What I know, what I believe, what I accept. But I love to talk about this stuff because I want to know what you know, what you believe, what you accept, because you might be able to tell me something that makes perfect sense to me mm-hmm. that I hadn't considered yeah. that will build on the foundation of knowledge that I've managed to reason together for myself. Right. Yeah. And you know, again, it, it sort of, it lends to the idea that we're trying to break down the artificial a bit as far as accessible culture media goes, right? Like yeah. we need to talk about some deeper shit period. Right. And, you know, the thing I loved in university was seeing a room full of 20 year olds start getting into this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have the kid with the, the churchy background, you have the kid that basically grew up in a hippie commune and they would get into it, but they get into it. So goddamn respectfully, because <laughs> they were in a formal yeah. setting, yeah. that something would come out of it. And to sit, you know, as a, as a spectator, that type of, of discussion was, it was awesome. Right. And mm-hmm it really brings people together to talk about that type of thing too. So just as like a social bandaid, we should be talking about stuff that's more important than fucking influencers. Like, man, yeah. I'm telling you, we've you lost, we've crazy. lost our way. You know what is okay. So this, this is, this is, this is crazy. So my episode that drops today, what time is it right now? My episode that drops in, in like 50 minutes for the one that comes out today was with an influencer and it was uh, the whole the whole thing we talked about influence inf- like being an influencer and stuff and um we brought like we talked a little bit about like i th- i think i said a bible verse in there or something like that i was telling them about but it's crazy that like because that's what i'm trying to push this podcast to do is more like this like this this is like having two three people in a conversation like this would be interesting for real. You know what I mean? It would be a very like, I think a lot would come out of it in the sense of like Absolutely. you said, you know, like you're not super tight with religion and stuff like that, but sitting down with somebody and listening to what they have to say, you know, you might change your mind. So if you're sitting down with three people, you might have three people that are total opposites on what they think. And they're sitting down there and they're talking and like you might say something to that person. And they'd be like, oh, man, that makes so much sense. And then you might say something to this person again and they would say something that you triggered from their brain. You know, like, yeah, well, I mean, the root of good discourse is common ground, right? Yeah. You, know, you and I may not have identical views on spirituality, but we can both conclusively agree that there's more to you or I than what is visible, right? Exactly. That's common ground. That's a starting point, right? And where we diverge from that starting point currently doesn't really take away from the fact that despite our different views, we share a a universal realization, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the idea of sitting down with a whole bunch of people that, that have some concept of this, this one fundamental beginning truth and seeing where it goes is a really cool idea. That might've gave me an idea. Make it happen, (laughs) man. Make it happen. I like it. I like it. So, um, yeah, we, we covered pretty much a lot of it and we're, they usually run about an hour and a half. We're at, we're, we're, yeah, an hour and a half, roughly, but we're at an hour and 11 minutes, but that's pretty freaking good. Yeah, man. Lots of good information. Holy freak. Um, so anything you want to add? Anything? I mean, again, like, outside outside of, you know, the, the tangents and the, and the off-topic stuff, I think, you know, the thing I said right at the get-go is 
like keep an eye out for how I develop this, this mental health project I'm working on because once I get past the first couple stages, I'm going to start reaching out to people. I want people to get involved. Mm -hmm. And I said this with Ben when we filmed his documentary too, like I'm pretty easy to find on social media. Yeah. If you have something to contribute, anything, personal experience, an opinion, even shoot me a message and we'll talk about it. And I mean, you know, even if your opinion is just like, you know, you're fucking wrong about this. Like, great. You're just one less person I have to worry about talking to <laughs> like simple yeah, as that. Exactly. Right. But I, I do ultimately down the line want to expand this to be more than a, just me and my life thing. Right. Like, you know, I'm using my experience as the basis for expression through art with a purpose. Yeah. But that's step one. Right. If we can, if we can bring people different experiences than my own, into my project and give them a platform to talk about, you know, what they know about themselves, uh, you know, just to, just to put out feelers. Right. Cause I mean, the thing that really spurred me into pursuing, you know, mental health or, you know, mental health or neurodivergency or whatever advocacy was understanding that the things that I struggled with were not unique to me. Right. It was seeing people be outspoken about these things on Twitter and on Instagram and all this and realizing that there was an entire community of people that experienced the world roughly the same way that I did. So if we can turn around, take this platform and extend the same potential assistance to other people out there. Right. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have more dogs in the fight, you know, mm -hmm. right. Like, they might miss the first 10 people on there talking about it, man. Maybe they'll land on ours, right? Yeah. You're going to get people involved and talk about it. And, you know, even, even, you know, it's important to say too, that if you're a person that doesn't necessarily want to share, but you feel like you're struggling, I'm here. Talk to me too. Yeah. It's awesome. I I'm excited to see it. I really am. Uh, I think it's, it's super important, uh, to have more like mainstream stuff of mental for mental health because mm -hmm. it really it's people are always like oh yeah it's out there there's lots of it but there really isn't a lot of it so but it's super exciting to see you starting to come out with it and stuff like that um and i think yeah we're we're good awesome man awesome. we did you know we uh we recorded like i said an hour and 45 minutes and it was super nice having you on here sick and uh you know we'll have to we'll have to you know if you have something you want to get out there like on a podcast or anything if you want to start your own i i have a network right so you can hop on this and have your own show we can do anything like that but um i just want to say thank you and your instagram is people can find you at pat underscore craig underscore is that how you say that yeah yeah uh, easy easy yeah, that's me. There. all right well thanks guys for listening and uh thank you for being on the thanks episode for having me and see you guys